Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. Last summer, something happened in my home that made me not feel safe in it. Essentially, someone who had been working in our home for months cornered me in it. It's a long story with some eerie details, but during that time, I learned anew that it's bad theology to think that because I love God, my fears won't materialize, that I am protected. Because suffering happens, Jesus tells us it is so. We certainly see the proof everywhere. Following God doesn't mean that the bad thing won't happen. It only means that I won't be crushed by it. When I searched the Bible about fear that summer during that sensitive time, I saw mostly, well, really only, that I'm told not to. Do not fear. But my concerns are logical. Do not fear. But being afraid is natural. Do not fear. But my fear protects me. Do not fear. Do you know how many times God tells us this? 366, that's once per day, including leap year. I looked up many of these instances, not all 366, but you know what? Never once did I get the impression that God was annoyed with me about the ways that I felt. And he obviously didn't mind repeating himself. The repetition, the dedication, the detail, all of it felt so very, very kind. I searched scripture that summer and I found that my worries are not unimportant to God. Fear. It's such an individual thing, but it's also completely universal, isn't it? The details might be different, but aren't the themes the same? We have desires. Our lives are full of desires. Desires we fear may never be actualized or maybe even worse, taken away. So our response is to plan and to protect and to hoard and to control and to fret and to scheme, constantly working against whatever it is that we're afraid of. White-knuckled, holding on, waiting for the other shoe to drop, managing, managing, managing. It's exhausting, really. And what do all these emotions say? Last summer, when I looked under my emotions, I saw that I believed that my self-sufficiency was the only thing that could truly be relied on. That the world was chaotic and operated on nothing but chance. And I was my only hope. But those are lies. Those were lies that I could renounce and reject and redirect. But to do that, I had to go outside myself for an answer and seek the God who is in control because we serve a God who is in control. 366 times he so lovingly reminds us that he's got this. And true. He might not be explaining himself gently over lunch, but our God is trustworthy and his love is intense. That summer, I leaned into the parts of his character that I knew for certain that he was good and that his love was intense. Over and over, I reminded myself. And slowly, my faith shifted from my feeble abilities to ensure my pain-free living to God taking care of me no matter the circumstance. 
in every single circumstance. And then slowly, ever so slowly, my God became bigger than my circumstance. My oldest son lived in a cape his third year of life. He spoke of force fields and shark repellent and magical dehydration powers that turned people who didn't share into dust. He collected figurines, he launched himself dangerously off of furniture, and he fantasized about a million different ways to defy the odds. My son's desire for superherodom. It was fictional, but interesting to me. Because didn't his desires suggest that if given a choice, he would really just prefer to be God? And isn't that just so? It's a tale as old as time, really. Because all the serpent had to say to Adam and Eve was, Did God really say that? And bam, mission accomplished. They took matters into their own hands because how could they really be sure? How could they know that God wasn't holding out on them? I've got this, they said, because self-reliance felt better than trust. They wanted to be God. And I know this feeling too. But the thing about self-reliance for me that summer was that I knew that I wasn't really in control. I knew that in some ways, most ways, I was powerless. And that knowledge was leading to turmoil, turmoil that suggested that I was never intended to be self-reliant. Well, if I was never intended to be self-reliant, then why do I find it so impossible to abandon the desire to be self-reliant? I don't know, but I know this. Fear, it leads to an idol of control. Except control, it's a myth. God has never promised me safety in this life, but he has promised me himself. I used to have a dog named Maya. I got her from an animal shelter where I was volunteering, and she chose me because I was living in an apartment that didn't allow dogs at the time. She did not let that stop her from wiggling her way into my heart and into our 800-square-foot apartment. She was a German shepherd. My husband was so pleased. She died many years ago, and when she did, I spent two months on my bathroom floor because of it. I loved that dog. And there were long days when I was tired of being a mom or mad at my husband or sick of laundry that I could curl up with Maya and think that all would be right in the world if it were just the two of us. All would be well if we could just move to a deserted island and she would kill the rabbits and I would cook them. In so many ways, Maya took care of me. However, she was not a perfect dog. In fact, she almost got us sued several times because, you see, she had some aggression issues. And she really kind of only liked me. She would bark and snarl and growl, but I was the one who understood that she was really just afraid. Maya was actually a softie. But our pizza guy did not know that. And one night, she almost busted through the glass on the front door because she was so mad at him for delivering a hot pizza to our door. I've never seen a pizza guy move so fast. He protected the pizza the whole time. It wasn't funny then, but truly, Maya was just a big old fraidy cat. And she was particularly afraid of thunderstorms, and there were many nights that I would wake up to her straddled over my head, panting and drooling into my face. One day, we were out on a walk, and a thunderstorm was threatening. We could hear little rumbles of thunder every so often, and each time she would hear the rumble, Maya would look back at me for reassurance. I could see her shaking in her fur. So I would call for her to come see me, and I would lovingly reassure her that the bad thunder wasn't going to get her. 
in my best puppy-loving voice, and then after a visit with me, she would get out ahead of me again until more thunder came, and then she would again return to me for safety and promise of care, and this went on for most of our walk. And my sweet girl felt safe as long as she wasn't too far from me. She knew where to go for confidence and for professions of safety and love. And once she had received that, she was okay to venture forth again, never straying too far from the voice of the one who she trusted with her life. And I learned that day that I want to be like Maya, returning again and again to the source of my hope, my assurance, my safety, my comfort for my greatest fears, my most debilitating weaknesses. This is how God wants his people to be. And as confused as Maya was about many things, the pizza guy was not there to harm us and the garbage men were not stealing our stuff. Maya had dependence down to an art. In a world that celebrates winning and success and striving and debating and pride and comfort and things, the sheer neediness of how God calls us to be, it's difficult. And neediness, neediness like Maya's, a life surrendered to him, it's where we find peace. In Matthew 23, 24, Jesus talks about straining gnats and swallowing camels. The Pharisees would strain their liquids so that they didn't accidentally ingest a gnat, which was the smallest unclean animal. Eye roll, right? Jesus was irritated with the Pharisees, and he said essentially, Here you are, tithing all these wonderful gifts so that you can feel good about yourself, but you're not practicing more important things like faithfulness and mercy. You're just straining a gnat to swallow a camel. Camels were the largest unclean animal. It's clever, right? Jesus was a funny guy. Similarly, I think that we are prone to take shallow approaches to holiness, neglecting our much deeper, graver issues. It's human nature to seek out easy and comfortable ways to manage our sin and then let it suffice for godliness. We might be involved in one thing after another, busy, spread thin, but back to back with our service is our doubt of God's sovereignty and his goodness. Or we might strive for holiness by grasping for the lowest hanging fruit. Maybe it's cleaning up our language or refusing to gossip, things that we can do on our very own strength. But back to back with our diligence is our distrust of a God who has already given us everything. Straining gnats and swallowing camels. Christ wants us to face reality as it is. The fear, the worry, the debilitating concerns, the ugly motives that we work to keep out of sight, the lies we believe, the things that we let take God's place. And he wants us to invite him there. Things that we can't take care of on our own strength, things we need him for. And then he wants us to emerge as changed people who are truly holy, truly free. Putting fear in its proper place, it's a deeper still moment. In my fear, in my pursuit of holiness, he is asking me to go deeper still. So, what do we do with all these things that we long for? The things we're afraid we won't get or won't keep? Do we push how we feel aside? Do we call our emotions sinful or selfish? Or do we do what the Lord tells us to do in Matthew? And do we go to another extreme and lean into a theology that says that God can take care of it all? that he can fulfill every desire. Life is dangerous. That is true. I am vulnerable. That is true too. I might not be able to perfectly preserve my plan. The bad thing may happen and there's nothing I can do to ensure that it won't, but that's okay because God is good. And this world isn't all there is to this life. God has forever in mind and he is constantly straightening my paths to prosper me. 
He is not consumed with my comfort, even if I am. But he cares deeply about my soul, reflecting his glory. His love is unfailing. It endures forever. Can I trust that? As I searched my heart during that uncertain time last summer, I learned that maybe it wasn't fear itself that was sinful, but instead, unchecked fear that was sinful. Worldly fears trumping my fear of God. John 14.1 tells us to not let our hearts be troubled. And something I read recently pulled out the word let. Do not let your heart be troubled. So it sounds like maybe we have a say in what our hearts give in to. Sin doesn't have to win. Not if we don't let it. With God's power, we can choose what we let in and what we do not. So when I feel my chest tighten with anxiety because I have a talk to give or a podcast to publish and I'm afraid people won't find me worth their time, I can say, Jesus, forgive me. I renounce this anxiety I feel. This talk, this work that you've given me, these people, as much as I cherish them, they don't define me. Their opinions of me do not define me. You define me and I am dearly loved. Please, God, give me your holiness. Here and now, I need your holiness to get through this talk without being distracted by good things that are not ultimate things. Help me, Lord, to put this gift in its proper place. Amen. Or, Jesus, forgive me. I renounce this fear that I feel. I am consumed by my insistence on pain-free living right now, and I have let my desire for comfort keep me from believing that you are working for good in my life, even if I don't understand it. Please, Lord, lend me your holiness that I might see your hand clearly in my life. Instead of asking, why do you have me here? Might I find the trust to ask instead, what do you have for me here? Help me, Lord, to remember that this place is not my home. Amen. My fears, they might be big or small. They might be all-consuming or just a tiny, annoying nag. They might be real or imagined, rational or irrational, but my fears don't have to grip me. Fear might taunt me, but Jesus has all the power. In this godless world, he says, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I have conquered the world. From the book of Isaiah, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and be not afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my new friend, Lauren. She is tiny but mighty. She's an absolute grin a minute, and she is a pro at kicking fear in the butt and harvesting peace instead. Lauren! Hey, Allison! Hey, Hey, you're a new friend. Okay, so the whole reason that I did a podcast in the first place is because I have really amazing friends. There's women in my life who are just living life without fanfare and doing it so humbly and so wisely and when we would get together and talk I would say this everyone needs to hear this like this needs a platform this this needs to be published and put out into the world it honestly felt like my civic duty and um and so the idea of the podcast is that it's really about friendship it's about a special connection between me and some person in some way that we have lived life deeply together so we'll take on a topic the two of us and we'll incorporate our friendship and lauren yes sir you are the first time the first time that I have ever asked someone that I don't know to be on the show. Ever. I feel like we need confetti and some <laughs> balloons and cartwheels. 
And the reason why is because I don't know how we have some mutual friends, I guess, but yeah. we got connected over Facebook. You were, you were starting maybe a private group for kind of entrepreneurs, people that wanted to do something a little more, whether it was speaking or writing. Yes. And you formed a little community and I got roped into that by a mutual friend of ours, which I loved. Um, and so I got to know you and I started following you and I thought, I can't get enough of this girl. Aww. Everything you do tickles me. You are hilarious. Really sweet. Thank you. I really, I can't get enough. Everybody needs to go follow Lauren Lucille Vassar on Facebook and Instagram. Figure it out and be delighted. That's very kind and generous. Thank you. You're so welcome. So tell us um, a little, and when I say tell us, like you're telling me too. Yes. I don't I don't technically know you. I, I just know. know that I delight in you. That's really sweet. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so grew up in Texas and um, went to ACU, Abilene Christian University, and went then went off to New York and went to, to a school called Circle in the Square Theater School. And after that, I started working show to show, started doing national tours and working just, you know, traveling everywhere. Loved it, learned a lot. Um, mostly played like crazy, short, quirky characters. Listen, guys, listen, here's the thing. In the world of acting, like, they're, like people are like, I want to be like, be able to play a range. There is no range. You basically play yourself the same person in like every other show. I've always wondered that. It's the, like, you really just need to be good at being a heightened version of yourself if you want to go into performing. So that everybody so take note good. of that. You do not have to be some like well-rounded actor. You need to be the most incredible you that you want to go out and be. Heighten that a little bit and you'll get cast as that person. I have never heard that before. And that is fascinating. Yes. Yeah, so if you have kids who want to go into theater, you have, um, you know, they want to do performing and stuff. They do not have to become Shakespeare or become a comedian if that's not who they are at heart. Right. Let them be who they are, capitalize on that and go for whoever that character is in that show and they will get cast. And so once I realized that, because, okay, so I was at, <laughs> I went to ACU. Okay, so I was a sing-song hostess, which like means nothing to anybody that didn't go to ACU. Basically, it's a huge show and I was super excited because they were passing out the roles for the solos and there's like, there's like, I don't know, 50,000 people that come to these shows. And like, that's a big deal. It, it was my first like big thing. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> I was super excited. I showed up to rehearsals though, thinking I am going to get like, because they do these elegant solos, all the girls, all the hostesses before I'd been, they looked gorgeous. They had these long gloves and like just sequence dress. And I showed up and I was like, this is going to be my moment. Yeah. I cannot wait to be elegant and sing the most gorgeous song. Right. And the director walked up to me and she was like, Hey, so Lauren, Here's your tutu, uh -huh. here's your things for the pigtails, and here's your roller skates, and oh. you're going to sing some Barbra Streisand. Oh. And I just about, I died a little bit. Oh. <laughs> because that was the first time I realized, I was like, oh, like that's how people see me. Oh. And I and so, and because I wanted to be something other than that. Yeah. I wanted to be elegant. I wanted to be what I had seen. Yeah. And so, but that was actually a really incredible moment for me because it was a gentle moment. <laughs> Although yeah. I mean, the tutu was a little big. But I was a moment where I realized I was like, oh, okay, so I'm a little quirky. Like, I just, I think sometimes we don't see ourselves. What we see is what we want what to we be. What we want, yeah. We want to be. And um, and I think if you've had self-awareness growing up and a lot of, um, then maybe you don't, that doesn't happen until college. But it didn't happen for me until college yeah. that I realized I was like, oh, I'm quirky. I'm kind of funny. I'm kind yeah. of like, that's who I am? Like, I yeah. didn't realize that. But then, and I, I fought that a little bit. But then once I leaned into that and mm -hmm. I was like, well, wait a minute, like, 
everybody remembers the funny girl. Yeah. Like that is somebody you can relate to. Yes. The one who doesn't have it together. Yes. The one who makes mistakes. The one who sings off key. The one who oh. is crazy. And so I went to New York and leaned into that hard. And that's uh. why I got cast show after show. Oh my gosh. And so I played every crazy person on the planet. And then I found my man and we got married and had kids and unfortunately can't take kids on the road. Mm. And so we moved back to, uh, moved several different places. We've lived all over, but came back to Dallas-Fort Worth because I realized I... I think I'm, I think God has made me somebody who is meant to be on stage, which you can relate to that, Allison, as mm. far as you're speaking. Like mm. you are made to communicate on a platform, mm. like this platform that you have right here. Mm-hmm. So I believe that that's what I'm made for. Like there's a million things I cannot do, yeah. but communicating on a platform is something I can do. Yeah. And so I'm going to do, I'm going to lean into that. So I realized that, um, I wanted to continue to do that, but I wanted to do that in the context of churches and speaking and singing and doing funny videos and all of that in the faith realm and just, you know, loving on people and showing them like, Jesus loves you where you are. There is grace. It abounds. And like, and he knows you. He knows the quirkies of you. Quirkies. Is that a word? We're making it a word. It's going to be a word. It is now. It's totally a word. Um, He knows all the quirkiness of of us. I'm not going to say the word because it's going downhill. (laughs) But, um, and, and I want people to know that. And I think that there's a lot lot of um a lot of a lot of people that are within the church and that come to different events that really need authenticity when they see people get up and speak and so I which takes um so that's something I've been working on so yeah so now I'm doing that so yeah the end (laughs) so amazing so oh you know well how could you my dream is to be like a a k-list actress in really? really bad cheesy Christian movies, that's you could what totally I do. do that. Oh, yeah, no. you look like an ingenue. Like <laughs> you're like the leading actress type. You could. I'm gonna type past you right here. Yes, you please. could totally do that. You could totally Make it do those things. Oh my gosh, that is really just so fascinating. But I can relate to, you know, kind of having this vision of yourself that isn't accurate. What was your vision of yourself? Um, I think that I I ask the questions around here. Oh. <laughs> Oh, geez, what was the vision of myself? No, I'm totally joking. Um, You know, I've just always wanted to be somebody that's really relaxed, somebody that can just go with the flow, somebody that can just drink a beer, somebody that... and, and I'm a laugher. I mean, I can I can yes. live life lightly, but I'm also a perfectionist. And I have, um, there's, there's a voice that is constant. When I'm doing the things that I feel that I'm supposed to do, there is a voice in the back that is always asking, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And so I really admire the person that is just doing things boldly without apologies. Yes. And I think that's really normal and have you ever felt like a poser yeah an imposter like an imposter totally. like imposter yes. syndrome like absolutely when you first started. Yes. and I really believe that that's something that the enemy hits people with because yeah. like if he can paralyze you yeah. versus so that you don't go into your calling yeah. into your dreams like he wins yeah he wins the world gets less of what it is that you're supposed to bring to right. it and he paralyzes you but yeah so how that has showed up in my speaking is I'm really um envious slash admiring because aren't those closely related yeah <laughs> um, um, I'm really admiring of the woman who can get up there without notes and just pour her heart out and connect with people. Yeah. And I am meticulous and I'm a planner and I think it's because I'm a writer. I like the words and I get attached to the words. And so, um, I'm following a script. I don't think that that necessarily negates connecting with people. Mm-hmm. I still think you can do that. But I admire the confidence and boldness of somebody that can go out there without it and just love. 
Yeah. yeah. Like they're just like off the top of their head and yeah. they go for it. Yeah. But that's not how you were created, Allison. No, it's not. Like you were created. <laughs> like, okay, Allison and I were talking earlier about the Enneagram. Some people love the Enneagram. Some people aren't <coughs> the Enneagram. But I think, so Allison, she mentioned I'm a perfectionist, which is like the one on the Enneagram. So any of you can relate to, but that voice, what you just said, yeah. the voice almost not like, um, that talks to you telling you maybe you're not, not even not good enough. But, um, what does that voice say to you, Allison? Who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Like, I think that's yeah. a very one thing to do, mm-hmm. but like for you continuing to conquer that, I think continues mm. to put it in its place. Mm. You know what Thank I mean? So you. that the yeah. voice gets quieter and quieter yeah. because I think, and I think all of us hear those negative voices, yeah. all of us, like I hear, um, you're not good enough, you know, like, you know, when I go do things like, why would, why would somebody hire me? Why, mm. why would they hire me when mm. they could hire somebody else who's funnier, taller, <laughs> <laughs> Um, all the things. And I think we all hear them. And I think it's a constant battle of like saying, okay, God, like I, I'm going to choose to hear your voice over this voice. And I think that keeps us close to God. Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the, because if I was confident all the time, I really wouldn't need the Lord. Absolutely. I would I don't know that's about right. you because, no, it's, because it's I'm really pretty it. capable. And as are you, like I Absolutely, can get job yeah. done. Yeah. Like you and I can pretty much conquer the world yeah. and get it all done. And, uh, not going to, I'm not going to lie pretty well. Well, in but embracing neediness yes, is absolutely neediness. a skill because we have our graduate degrees. Yep. I can rely on my cognitive abilities. I'm circled with all these amazing friends. I can rely on my emotional strengths. Yeah. I am in several Bible studies. I yes. have this theological awareness. <laughs> when the truth is we are desperately needy for the Lord, despite all of those things that may be true for you. Yes. So I, for me, um, embracing neediness has been a big part of overcoming fear. Yeah. And that's what you and I were going to sit down and talk about today as you and I were brainstorming topics. Um, fear has been a significant part of your story. Big time. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So for any of you who struggle with fear, like you, my people, you, my tribe, (laughs) I'm about to speak to you. So you can see even up on my wall, I have a sign that says be fearless. And right above it, Mm. I have a sign that says be still my soul. Mm. And I'll get into that in a minute, but I feel that there's a lot of battling fear, uh, always starts with being still and hearing the Lord first. And so, um, so short version is, is that I was born, okay, this is going to sound a little dramatic, you guys. Hey, but I have a theater background. We're going to go with that. <laughs> so like, um, but I was born without my face fully developed underneath the skin. Huh. And so I know, I know. So I've had countless surgeries to fix the structure of my face. Not so much the way it looks on top of my face, yeah. although I've had, um, my eyelids have been lifted. Um, but all the structure, like I, my nose was too small on the inside. My eustachian tubes were flat. Like I've had lots of surgeries underneath the skin of my face. I've had tumors grow around my ear. I've had my, had to have my ears taken off to like bring, take out, um, tumor growth. I've had like all sorts of stuff on my head, which is a really vulnerable place to have stitches. And especially as a kid growing up, like it's a very, like I couldn't hide it. So I grew up with that. Um, had so many surgeries and here's the deal. And this is something I can share this because my parents and I have, totally gone through this but you know back in the day they didn't tell they would just tell you to bring your kid to surgery don't tell them what was happening so I would show up on the morning of a surgery and I would not I wouldn't I would wake up in a surgical room being held down by strangers and being strapped down and I didn't know what was happening so 
I would start screaming, like, where are my parents? I had no clue what was happening. And they would put a mask over my face. And I thought they were, and I, I've, like, y'all, this is a lot of therapy, a lot of therapy. But I um, shouldn't yell. I'm sure the microphone can hear me just fine. But I've had, like, I can't, I have, it is so real to me thinking they were killing me and that my parents let them. Oh. So, like, this is just as a baby. Like, that started when I was about two and a half. Like, that feeling of, like, um, that I would go to sleep. I started to go to sleep very terrified because... I would never know when I was going to wake up. And then finally, I wake up with somebody trying to what I thought was killing me. Granted, this is a child not knowing what's going on. As an adult, I can look back and say, well, my parents didn't want to scare me. So they were, and they were advised, you don't, don't tell her she's going to have surgery. It'll, it'll scare her because it's yet another surgery. So just wake her up when, just pick her up when she's asleep at four in the morning and we'll start, we'll start, we'll wake her up and, you know, and start the surgery. And so I can't tell you how many times that happened to me growing up. And so I became fearful to go to sleep became to not trust people sure. I didn't want people to touch me like mm-hmm. I remember when I went to college I really struggled with people touching me because my idea was that people were unsafe and they would open up my arms and my legs and they would strap me down because I would thrash because mm-hmm. I would wake just terrified mm-hmm. so all of that to say and my parents and I have discussed that now we've totally gone through that like and they would never do that to a kid today like today you tell a kid what's going on you give them silly juice to relax them mm-hmm. you you know like, I mean, all the things. So, um, I ended up going to, I've done lots of therapy and I'm a big, so I have like some severe, deep PTSD of like severe fear that spilled over into every, every area of my life. But it's weird. It's like medical PTSD. It's an odd thing to have. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, so I've done lots of therapy and which was so great because I just realized how much fear was like way paralyzing me in every area. So I just want to encourage, so I want to encourage people who've been through that. There is freedom. Like just because you've been someplace or you've grown up in some deep, dark place, it doesn't mean you have to live there or it's a life sentence for you. And so, um, did lots of therapy and now my son was born with the same thing I had really my first son and so like and we had no idea that it was genetic even though that sounds weird we thought it was a fluke in the womb but of course it's in my genes but nobody knew that it was genetic so because nobody else in my family has it nobody not one person I I was the first generation of this of this um I, I birth defect for lack of a better word I know there's more politically correct ways but I mean, I don't feel like I'm a defect. I feel like that's, Mm. that's like, I know that all of that has led me to be a very strong person today, you know, because, and I can connect with people who deal with fear. Like, I just like want to squeeze them Mm. because it just like paralyzes you Mm. and it just can stop you from doing so much in your life. So my son has it and it's been so neat to watch as he's going through surgeries and his is much less severe than mine. So Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But getting to then have that's coming back up and not wanting him to be afraid. And that kid is fine. The kid's like, everybody get off my grill. I'm cool. Like I'm, and it's been amazing. So like, he's fine. And I don't think he's, you know, I'm sure he'll have to go to therapy for something else I've done, but (laughs) (laughs) you're messing him up in new inventive ways. There'll be new first thing. So that is my, that is my story with fear. And so 
Um, and that is why I have battled it as an adult. And I think that there will be a part of me that will battle it my whole life. Sure. You know, that will always consistently have to tell myself, like, you are safe. Mm-hmm. You are safe. It's and like an Achilles heel. Oh, yeah. It's something yeah. that can grab me when I least expect it. It'll mm-hmm. come in. And I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this. Like, maybe you have something you've dealt with as a child. And as an adult, it can come out in weird ways, yeah. right? Like, you can all of a sudden be doing something or talking to somebody. And, bleh, you know, there comes this yeah. weird thing that you're like, that isn't me. Yeah. That isn't a part of who I am. Well, that may be your PTSD or your anxiety yes. or whatever it is that you're carrying. And it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You can feel shame from it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to mm-hmm. like encourage those who are dealing with that type of thing to give yourself a lot of grace and don't be afraid to ask people around you for grace, yeah. you know, and just to, and letting people in and that you don't have to carry whatever it is you're carrying alone. Like people are pretty awesome, yeah. right? Like <laughs> if you let people know, like Absolutely. this is something I deal with just so you know, like, Every once in a while, like if you touch my thighs, I will jump. Like I, my husband can't even touch my legs because that's where I got strapped down. So once I realize that and I'm like, I need grace because it like brings up a fire in me. Mm-hmm. Like if you grab my legs and hold me down and I will pan and, I, and I've gotten better at it, but it's still embarrassing, right? Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. Like, um, so that's something we had to work through. Anyway, I just want to, yeah. So asking people for grace around you and just knowing that like you are not, defected because you carry something from your past and you can continue to like let go of pieces of that. Does that make sense? Like you can continue to shed layers of whatever you're dealing with. So anyway, fear is something that if you deal with fear, like let's become best friends because I, I definitely understand that. So you hit on, on so many different things that I want to deep, deep dive deeper into, but one of them is having people around you and then having the comfort to ask them, I need grace right now. Yes. I have never experienced God's love so purely than I have through friendship in that way. And I think that we um, can underestimate people. Totally. Like you think they can't handle this. Um, What I have is too shameful, too embarrassing. And I think what it is, we feel very vulnerable. Sure. Like we can feel super naked, you know, and it's like, um, I think you're right. Like you have to give people like give, they, people can do it. They can rise yes, to that occasion yes. and they want to, they and love, love you, you for it they and love, yeah, you for they it. love you for it. I mean, honesty is so efficient. It's such a quick way, yeah. you know, to get to love is if yes. I can just be honest with you, I'm yes. triggered right now. I'm having, yes. I'm having a severe reaction to something that I've coupled linked in my head. Yes. When I tell you about it, I'm inviting you into my story and people are so thankful. So thankful. we want to walk together. We want to belong. Yes. So I think that's huge and has been a huge healing piece for me. Um, what is it that you share with your friends that you, well, I, I don't struggle with fear as, as much as, um, I used to be, I used to have this kind of mantra of I'm a cool cucumber. I'm really laid back. I don't, I'm not really a worrier, but I think that fear and worry can kind of be this background noise. Yeah, totally. And because when you stop, you realize there are a host of things that daily I am thinking about, worried about planning, et cetera. And just because, so listening to fear is kind of like background noise. You can think it's not there, but when you stop and listen, it's like, oh wait, I hear the air conditioner. I hear the cars humming by. I hear the fluorescent lights. You can become attuned to all of these things. And just because we're used to it doesn't mean that it's good. Right. I don't necessarily consider myself an achiever or um, I'm not a striver, but I am a grasper um, for experiences. I think I, I can be a collector of, I just need to be a little um, bit on the edge. 
And because of my certain personality characteristics, it can really kind of tip some of my um, some of my balances when it comes to being perceived a certain way. And so, as somebody that's um, you know putting on live recordings like on a whim because yeah. I'm a collector <laughs> of these ad- adventurous experiences, but then somebody who can be so defined by people's perception of me, the combination of those two things together can have some catastrophic fallouts gotcha. if I feel like maybe it doesn't go well. Now, that said, I have experienced some healing um, as I spiritually mature and as I get good counsel and um, am loved well by friends. So um, I'm not seeing that as much in my life as I used to. But when I first started doing ministry, I mean, talk about an attack afterwards. I mean, yeah. I would be in the fetal position yes. after a retreat <clears throat> that I led because what did people think? Yeah, and so totally. there's that this glory battle going on of in the same five minutes, I can be completely certain that yeah. I am here to bring glory to God. And then in my next set of thoughts, but what did they think of me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so people's perceptions of me can really undo me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far as fear, one of the things that I've kind of tattooed on my mind is the the phrase that fear is a false prophet. Oh, that's good. If we're <clears throat> like constantly worried, scripturally speaking, a prophet was somebody that could foretell what was going to happen, but you had to have a perfect record. Yeah. So one one fault one thing that you profess that doesn't come is that makes you a false prophet. Yeah. So how many things do we worry about or anxious about that never ends up coming to fruition? Yes. Fear is a false prophet. So good. Ugh. And the other thing is thinking of something can be dangerous, but I can still be safe. So yeah. if there is a tornado whipping around and I am sitting in my comfy home on a nice slab foundation with walls and a roof and I can sit back in my recliner and I can just enjoy the storm outside. But if I'm in a tent and there's a storm, then we've got a real problem and that fear is very legitimate. So something can be dangerous, but I can still be safe. And the Lord never said the storms aren't coming, but he did say, I'm going to protect you in them. Have you had any success at all in overcoming the the false prophecy of fear, like these things that you're worried about that never end up coming to fruition? I think one of the biggest tools that I've had, as you mentioned earlier, background noise. So I have a sign up that says, be still my soul. And I think what happens is that we can amplify those fears, those anxious thoughts, because we don't stop and we don't allow ourselves to be still enough to actually hear the voice and address the voice. That's right. And or address the fear, right? Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah, right? keep moving. Like just keep going. Like well, I just got things to do. I just you know, right. blah, 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 blah. like so good. And nothing's are, ever healed, right? And so if you aren't, and sometimes I have to constantly remind myself, I do not have to because one of the most. I'm a big proponent of like, I want to be peaceful. The opposite of fear is peace. You see what I'm saying? Like there's peace and contentment. There's fear and unrest right on one end of the spectrum. So everybody who's in a friendship with me, hears me speak about peace on a consistent basis. I don't do things if it's not peaceful for me. And I'm real big on that because I'm like, that peace is sacred to me. Yeah. Right. Sacred. It's been hard fought. Yeah, it's been hard fought. I'm like, I want to keep it. Like, don't take away from me, suckers. You know? And so, (laughs) and so, but I think what happens is that whatever it is that we're fearing or whatever it is that we're battling, we will pile it on. We will shove it under a rug or we will muffle it with um, busyness, with uh, music, 
with podcasts, with kids, with a fight with our husband. Right. We will muffle it. We will do everything but address what is it that I, is that I am fearful of? What yeah. is it that is causing me unrest? What is it that is torturing me right now? Yeah. You know, and even if you know what it is, I really don't want to address it because it is scary to address it. It's painful to address it. Or maybe I don't know how to address it. Right. Maybe you don't know. Right. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to do what's more comfortable. I mean, Absolutely. I have to tell you, most times when I go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, that's the reason. <laughs> And so something that has been a huge arc to me from the right over here of fear and unrest over here to peace and contentment is stillness and quietness. And when I, I feel that God consistently, he's like, be still and know. And when you truly, and I mean, be still and know can be as simple as today before you got here, like I, I was about to turn on music and I was like, no, silence, mm. no. No, 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 you're not going to fill mm. the 20 minutes here with, with, you're not going to fill it with something. You're not going to yeah. shove your, oh, I've got 10 million things to do today. And yeah. I hope I do a really good job for Allison. Yeah. And, you know, wanting to do, I, I like to, I want everything to go well. I yeah. want everyone to be happy with what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's ego. Like, I want people to think well of me. Is sure. that ego? Like, and so... But so I consistently daily, and I mean daily, and it's a choice. Some days I fail and I suck. And other days I really do well at succeeding. But I create a lot of quiet in my life. Yeah. And it's a choice. Absolutely. because It's a it, discipline. It's yeah. a discipline. Yeah, I mean, you have five kids. There's not a lot of quiet about no. them there. Mm -mm. And so I can, it isn't, whether I'm in the car, whether I am uh, in my house, whether I'm taking a shower, like I make lots of quiet moments so that whatever it is that is torturing me, I can hear it. I can address it. I can speak it, truth over it, and give it to the Lord. Amen. And so I think, you know, everything, <clears throat> you have to speak truth over whatever it is you're battling. Yes. But you often don't know exactly what it is at the root of what's being tortured unless you can really hear it clearly. That's right. It's like when you have the laundry machine on and the other machines on, you can't you can't hear other things in the house. Noisemakers. And so it's like you truly have to, for me, I've had to really work on that consistent discipline of, um, being still hearing it. And then I have to consistently say, okay, what is, what is here now? What is the lie that I'm believing? Absolutely. That I don't have enough time bull. Yep. I have all the time that I need and I choose what I'm going to give That's my right. attention to. That's right. Um, I am not safe bull. Like I'm completely <clears throat> safe. And at the end of the day, like the, the world is not my home anyway. Okay. Ugh, amen. Right. So it's like, so I constantly like dish out the fear, dish out, the, like get quiet, hear what it is that I'm battling and then I battle it with truth and I, and I so here's the thing there's life and death in the power of the tongue right like God didn't say in the mind the hands in doing he said it was in the tongue which is a muscle mm. right so it was meant to be used it was meant to be used consistently to speak out that truth and what happens is that your body just like it's a bit with a horse you know it will follow it will follow you so when you start speaking out the truth your body will come into alignment with it your thoughts will come into alignment with yes. your spirit your yes. flesh it will come into alignment with yes. the truth that you speak out with your mouth and so i'm it really orders big. our emotions which orders our actions yes, like yes. it's like and so the only way i feel like <clears throat> i can rein that in is i will walk around the house in silence, hear the hear the lie, hear it, hear the lie, address it, and I, I literally walk around my house like a nut, speaking truth over myself, yes. over my kids, over my husband, over my marriage, it. because I think you can hear yourself, uh, you can hear yourself saying negative things, yeah. like, well, this sucks, or like, 
the kids are driving me crazy. Or, I, I mean, I say those things. Or, like, my husband, like, oh, you know, and you, you choice words here. Insert choice few words here. You know, Your and, favorites. Yeah. And having to, like, you know, speak truth to combat that. And that is not something I have conquered. It's a discipline that I practice yeah. daily. And it's I think so it will have good. to do it the rest of my life. It's not yeah. like all of a sudden right. I'm going to be You don't like, get to wipe your hands with that one. Yeah. I'm, oh, that is good. <laughs> like, that has just got to become a part of what I do. So that is how I now battle yeah. fear. Yeah. But I feel that it, whether you're battling fear or anxiety or um, feeling like you're not enough yeah. or whatever it is, if you do not allow it to come to the surface, it That's will right. torture you. It's so good. It's so good. Now... So if, if fear is about a precarious world, because that's what we can tell ourselves, right? Well, it's yep. like, well, accidents do happen yep. and there are natural disasters and we have real enemies. All of these things are true. So if fear is about a precarious world, then there's really nothing we can do about it. But right. if fear is about us, yes, then maybe there's a way through. Yeah. So I think that what you're talking about is kind of sitting down and just acknowledging, yes, I'm vulnerable. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes. But I'm not in charge of this show. Right. And I am cared for by a good, good father. Yes. Who who primarily, first and foremost, is good. Yeah. And is working out things for my good. And this isn't my home. I loved that you said that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but there are. There are real dangers. There are, there are real, real stresses. <clears throat> and we are vulnerable. Yeah. And so for me, a big, a big thing of, of once I realized that, you know, I liked this label of, oh, I'm a really cool cucumber. I'm not a worrier. Turns out... I'm very experienced with fear. I think yeah. that it's natural to all of us. Yes. Um, but a, a big part of it to me has been embracing my neediness. That's I so am needy. That's and that really is exactly where the Lord really wants want, us. We don't want to be needy. I don't want to be needy. Sick. I, I want to spit that anyone. word out of my mouth. Yeah. That is the grossest word I've ever heard. Yeah. It's like, I want to be completely capable, competent. Yes. Really, like, we don't really like to need. I no. mean, it makes you feel weak. Yes. You know, but like that's, you know, well, there it comes. My power is made perfect in your weakness, you Amen. know. Um, you know, before we, before we kind of close and get into some personal things that you're doing that I'm dying to talk about, um, I think that it's also important. I think that when we examine our fears, when you, when you really look at them and this is embarrassing for me, um, but even, you know, you asked me a personal question about, you know, what, what are you having to kind of confide in people? And it's, I'm on a stage a lot. Yeah. And and yet I'm really vulnerable to people's perceptions of me. Ego is I think what you called yep. it later. <laughs> um, but I, I really struggle with with ego. And so um, that 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 that's a fear. Yeah. Be, that's I mean, that's such a, a gross fear. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. It's it feels so ugly to me. But when you examine your fears, you can really kind of locate some of your idols. Totally. So good. You so can good. okay. So if what's my what's my greatest fear? Okay, that I am humiliated on a stage. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to I need to get right with that. I need to think about that. I need to put that in its proper place because anything that is occupying the place that God should have only yeah. is an idol. Yeah. Well, you nailed it when you walked in. You had your speaking engagement last night, and you walked in, and I said, "How'd it go?" And you said, "I was obedient and did what I was supposed to." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That is." good mm. like that should be like that was so good and like and you spoke that out like yeah, you spoke right. that truth out you. over yourself thank I was you, like friend. I was like good job okay. thank you cupcakes so the the background is that um I spoke to um I spoke last night and you know sometimes there's good energy and I don't know good feelings are flowing listen and, y'all you got to be a good audience member okay? yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
when you go hear somebody speak, you need to respond with smiles, nods, Just some eyebrow raises. Lean you, in lean, if you don't yes. mind. I mean, give us something. something. Anything. We'll take anything. We'll take crumbs. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to overdo it, you can thank them after. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I that's for the you. overachievers out there. <laughs> we'll hug and a handshake. I love you so much. <laughs> but I spoke to a stiff crowd, and so I was telling Lauren about it, and I said, but, you know, I said yes. I did what God asked me to do. The rest is up to him. So. Man, that's good. Thank you that so much. Okay, good. well, let's, so let's move into your stuff. What... Okay, so I What are you doing? Doing so I am a part of something called by a part of, I mean I was like, let's do this. Yes. <laughs> so and this is Because I don't want to miss a thing. I really yeah, don't. I just think you're so great. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. So I well, I was at Chick-fil-A <laughs> bringing it up. This is not a paid program for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so I was at Chick-fil-A. Although. Although, if you want to bring us some. So I was at Chick-fil-A and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, Lord, what is next? What is next? And I felt him drop into my head the unknown tour. And my and uh, the unknown tour, you and some other ladies, the unknown tour. And I was like, I, I was like, I, I like kind of joked and I was like, okay, Lord, is that because like nobody knows us? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, unknown. Yeah. And so he was like, no, the unknown tour. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And he was like, about what you struggle with, the fear, fear of the unknown, mm. you know? And I was like, oh man, that's so good. So as I like, you know, tried to, I was sitting there listening to that, trying to keep my kids from eating off the floor and like all the <laughs> things. And like, and um, I was like, okay, well, that sounds amazing. So I ended up teaming up with the, with two girls that he gave me their names and so oh, I ended up like it was totally his provision. So these there's two girls, Brittany and Michelle. And um, are they funny like you? <laughs> We're are they funny? Or like, are you the funny like component? I would say I'm the kooky. Comp- I'm bringing okay. the crazy. Okay. Yes. Now Brittany can rise to the crazy occasion. Yeah, because I saw someone else in your videos. That recently. is Brittany. Okay. And so she can rise to the occasion. Sure. So she does not do comedy on the regular, but like yeah. she like when you see her, she's so she. I think she's funnier than I am. Like and so which is a challenge to me my dad was like you have met your match I was like sweet that's awesome yeah and I was like uh so she she is really funny and so she we are gonna so we're opening the tour it's basically we're opening with these girls Rhonda and Shonda from Jersey we're gonna open it with comedy I'm gonna open it with comedy and music and then we've got three of us speaking back to back in about a a two and a half hour event for churches perfect and so in it's unknown tour the unknown tour and it's all about choosing faith over fear and so because and I just feel like this is something I battled with so hardcore in my life I want to like hit it head on I am so proud and of I just you. thanks and I just feel like it's something that paralyzes people and yeah. I want to talk about it not that I have it conquered yeah. but I want to hit on it and these other girls have you know dealt with it in their own ways too Brittany's sure. dealt with chronic illness mm-hmm. Michelle's dealt with stuff and so like I think it's going to be great and I want to bring anyway so that's what we're doing so we're doing that in the fall there's about 12 weeks that we're going to be opening up um bookings for and we just started booking like a few weeks ago and we're about half full and so, so, so women's ministers can, can contact. Go on. Yeah, they can go to www the World Wide Web, uh, theunknowntour.org. and they can bring that to their churches. And they can bring us to their churches for their women. For their women, and so it's going to have comedy, encouragement, and like straight to the gut, heartfelt talks, like oh, all so in much. one. Like, and I'm I'm ending it with like it's kind of I'm bringing theater back. I'm doing like spoken word to music. Yes, girl. Yes, like and I was like, I love you so my, much. <laughs> my husband was like, what is that? I was like, basically, it's like a white. 
like girl grown woman rap. That's right. I was like, I mean, I'm just going to dis- you know, disguise it and call it a spoken word. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, it's like poetry to music. Yes. And so we're doing that. And I've got a, uh, we've got a worship leader that's going to do an original song about fear. And so it's just going to, and, and what I really like is that people are going to hopefully be able to relate to somebody that is like them. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be just the Lauren show, you know, it's going to be, people are going to connect to somebody. Yes. So Michelle is, you know, our personalities are all very different. Yeah. So I like that because not everybody likes a side of crazy, you Ugh. know, you know, I can be a little, I can maybe a little much for some I people. I want to put you in my pocket. Thank you. And so I want to be roomies. Thank you. I, love it. I feel the same way about you, Allison. Thank you. And so I, I'm excited for people to see different different things going. So there's going to yeah. be a lot packed in two and a half hours, and awesome. women's events can. And so originally, like, so down the road, I feel like I'll be doing it. Like, we, we're we doing it for the fall, and I feel like this is going to be a bit of a launching pad for okay. us in different areas. And okay. so so we're super excited about it, and it's been an amazing experience, and people have been very kind. And I put out, um, like, you talked about being vulnerable with friends about maybe six weeks ago, I put out, I was like, guys, this, I was, that was probably one of the most nervous posts I've ever did. I did mm-hmm. a post about, this is my heart. This is my dream. This is what I want to do. I'm putting it out there. Like we're doing it. And people like rallied around me, like in the most kindest, generous way I could have ever imagined. And that's, and, so, and these bookings are coming in from our connections Yay. and it's just unbelievable. But it took a lot of, like, I was like, okay, God, you're going to have to help me put my ego aside to let people sure. know. Cause I'm, cause there's the fear that, well, who am I? Who am I to put together something like this? Right. You know, I could stand on the wall. Well, I've been in New York and I'm an equity actress. And like, but really that's just like trying to bring up ego. Yeah. The truth is like, no, but Lauren, who is God? Mm-hmm. Like, so what you said earlier, it all comes back to obey. Mm-hmm. You are not in charge of anything else. You obey. You yes. let him take care of the yes. rest and praise him in advance for yes. what he's going to do. Amen. You know? Yes. And okay, so that's for people's churches. They yep. can bring the unknown to her. For you personally, listeners, go follow Lauren Lucille Vassar. She puts out videos and is just a precious corner of the internet to Sweet. brighten you. your day. Girl, I this has been such a good conversation about fear. I think that um, abandoning the illusion of independence, yes, kind of getting rid of the thought that you're a lone ranger and that this world is a dangerous place and you're just at its mercy. That's so good. Um, but instead, fear and anxiety, that that thing in us, it's it's like it's running from something, but it doesn't know what to run to. Yes. And so if we can just speak that truth, that we are running to God, that we are cared for and good works are being planned by him, then we can trust his provision over our proficiency. Yes. We can get rid of the fact that we have to do this all on our own, all by our own strength. And this is when real freedom, I like how you named it, peace happens. The antithesis of all of those things that have potential to undo us. And the truth is, is that Jesus is always directing us to those dark places yes. because he wants to meet us there. Yeah, he wants so us good. to meet us in them. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, intimate thing. He wants to relieve us. That's relieve right. us. He wants That's to bring right. light to those corners. Yes. And We've got to be, and that's where we have to say, okay, God, like, I'm going to put away my ego and I'm going to be courageous enough to let you go to those pain points in my yes. life and bring light to them, expose them, let me be transformed, let me know like you, Jesus, more of you, less of me. Amen. You know. Thank you, sister. Thank this you, so Allison. Good. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers. But that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. 
This is me, my best friend, Kristen, and your questions. Oh my God. <laughs> you picked your nose right before we started. I itched it. It was an itch. <laughs> it was a pick. Um, okay. Okay. Hi, Beefy. Hi, Beefinator. How you doing? Great. How about you? Crazy day. I'm ready for spring break. Um, so I just had a awesome conversation with a new friend, Lauren Vassar, and she spoke so vulnerably and wisely about her fear and how she's struggled with that in her life. And then even really specifically went into PTSD. You know, I'm always thinking about our segment and how you and I are going to discuss a topic. And as I was thinking, I, because she was going back to some childhood trauma. And so I was thinking, you know, we live, we lived lived childhood together and somewhat peacefully. There was this one event. And I was just talking to a colleague about it recently because it was actually on Go Texan Day. I recall because I was wearing a red bandana in my hair with my fabulously hot rolled um, blonde locks hanging out of it. And so, hold up, time out. Before you continue, the listeners should know that Beefy has the most beautiful head <laughs> of thick Rapunzel-like blonde hair. It's very thick. <laughs> okay, maybe in sixth grade I did, but thank you. Um, so we were leaving lunch, and we were walking down the hall to go back to class, and somebody tapped me on my right shoulder, and I looked over my right shoulder to see who was tapping me, and I was met with a fist in my face, and that's kind of the details that I can remember. The next thing I knew, I was on the ground. Um, I believe I was saying, what the heck, what the heck, what the heck, over and over, Um, but what we came to find out when everything settled was that Someone had punched me in the face, and then on the other side of me was another person. So when I fell down, one person was behind me holding my arms behind my back. Um, and there was one in front of me that as soon as I would like start to be able to kind of figure out what was going on and try to sit up, was punching or kicking me in the face so that I would stay down so that the one behind me could cut my hair. And so you know, there's like the circle around me, and I don't really remember the details. I just remember getting up and trying to fix my go Texan day bandana. And when I ran my hand through my hair, like I had a handful of hair in my hand. And so we came to learn that it was like a gang initiation um, event. And so they had to cut a blonde girl's hair. And so then the girls ran out of the school. They hadn't come to school that day. So their hope was that they wouldn't be, you know, recorded in attendance and that they could run out and never be found. But administrators chased them down the street and they were eventually found and had to go to court and all the things. But that happened. It happened. Um, you know, as as traumatic as that was, I've always said that you're the sanest influence in my life. You are just the most grounded, most steadfast person. And I came across this quote that talked about how we need to learn to differentiate between the sound of our intuition guiding us versus the sound of our traumas misleading us you could have formed a lot of associations that you just never really seemed to why were you so healthy around that event or were you it's first of all I have to say that I appreciate you saying that I'm the sanest person you know especially because you are my number one person when I'm feeling completely (laughs) insane so thank you for that um but I don't I honestly like I can remember 
the night of that, but I guess just being surrounded by really thoughtful parents and friends and just feeling really supported. And I don't know that I actually thought this then, but it's something that I thought with other things that have happened in life since then, and it probably started then, and I just didn't have the vocabulary, is that there's something about something really, really tough happening to you. That was a really, really tough thing to happen in junior high. You know, losing my mom at 22 was a really, really tough thing. Um, but once you've experienced what you perceive to be the most difficult thing, it, there's a blessing in that, right? Because you know that you have been through something so difficult and gotten on the other side of it. And so in some ways, I think that there is a way for at least my experience with the traumas that I've experienced to um, use them to minimize anxiety in the future um, because you've kind of already been through but something just that was so difficult. Here's the question. I am a new mother. How do you balance the intensity of this love, feeling called to perfectly protect it, in the fear of knowing the many things that could go wrong? I feel like my worry around my motherhood is debilitating. I feel like when it comes to our mental health, like we can, it's so easy to misstep. And so I, I want to be really careful, but I don't know how new of a mother you are. I don't want to minimize your feelings. Postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression is a very real thing. And if you, I would tell your doctor about all of that. I'm not saying that, not, that worrying about your children isn't normal. Right. Um, because it is, but if you're feeling like it's debilitating, I would absolutely tell a medical professional about that. Right. Absolutely. Um, for me, I feel like it's um, just such a area in my life that um, brings me to my knees and just really is where I can focus my prayer life on. There's no one in this world that has Miles and Hope Kelly as parents except for me. And so sometimes it's a very like private thing between me and God to pray through things about how to parent them. But then beyond that, it's a very, very small core of mommy mentors, including my beefy at the top of the list, um, to talk through things with um, or to watch how they're doing things and maybe to talk about, and just like what you said to the listener, um, to talk through with that core group of mommy mentors, you know, is this, do you feel this way or does this seem like too much, you know, to maybe to get advice on whether there's someone um, that you need to speak to that's, um, you know, a professional. Right. Yes. Good. All right, Beefy. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. Sometimes being brave doesn't look like girding your loins and stepping out onto the stage, or going to the meeting, or showing up at the event. The bravest things I've had to do have been on me all of a sudden, unheralded, without fanfare. The most courage I've had to muster has come when I've had to spend the night at the ER with a child, or when I find myself in the airport flying home because a parent went from sick to dying, or alone in my head facing an uncomfortable truth about myself. In these brave situations, there's no choice in them really. You can't unmother yourself, or undaughter yourself, or even unself yourself. 
By the sheer fact of being alive, courage can be required of you at any moment in ways you don't expect and are thoroughly unprepared for. So what do you do? What can you do when crisis strikes and you have to be more than you are prepared to be? I don't have an easy answer for that, but I've found three things happen when I find myself there. I send up a bat signal for the Holy Spirit. I put one foot in front of the other and keep breathing. And I try to keep loving. Love the child, the doctors, the nurses, the airline staff, even myself, which is often the hardest. Holy Spirit, breath, love. It doesn't make me brave, but I'm still standing. I see your bravery, sisters. Keep showing up and loving when it's hard. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Dear God, you have not given us a spirit of fear. Your remarkable promise is that you are with us. You will never forsake us. So help us, God, to reach out to your presence in the midst of our deepest troubles, our greatest fears. Our hearts and our minds might be flooded and our fears might paralyze us. But we can take our thoughts captive and we can hold on to your truth. Please, God, replace our anxiety with peace. Help us to remember your power. We believe in you and your power and your grace is sufficient for us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' most holy name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And for this episode, a special thank you to Lauren Vassar. Book the Unknown Tour for your next women's ministry event and follow Lauren Lucille Vassar on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to Pamela Anthony Cutright and Chan Redfield for music. Thank you to Kristen Kelly and Mary Bishop. For more of Mary's writing, go to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com. Center Saint Sister now has a Patreon page. Please consider supporting Center Saint Sister by searching for Allison Sullivan on patreon.com. Many episodes are now only available to patrons. Send us your questions to centersaintsister at gmail.com. Don't forget to review, like, and subscribe, and tune in next week.